Messy Situations is a production of Lola Media. Say hi, Lola. There was a day I walked into the office, and I remember thinking, is this guy wearing new clone? Long story short, he wasn't wearing new clone. He has never worn clone. It's like pheromonal? Literally completely pheromonal. Hello, I'm Kane Sarhan. And I'm Michelle Promaleko. Welcome back to Messy Situations, the show where we break down and break through life's messes, always starting with ourselves. Michelle, my queen, how have you been? I'm okay. I'm a little sad today. A little sad today? Yes. Well, we have red wine to help us with the sadness today. Definitely helps. It's definitely a soother for me. Usually you're the one with the messy situation. My messy situation today is just kind of a real life situation. It's Mm. my mom's birthday, but she passed away a year ago, almost a year ago. And so it's the first birthday she's not here on earth. She's here just not on earth, in her human form. And also last week was my birthday and she wasn't here for that. And she always had this tradition where she would call me at three o'clock, which was when I was born about, which is actually a great thing to know if you're into astrology or you ever, our producer just fucked up. Sorry guys, that's my bad. I'm so sorry. It's okay. We got to keep that. I don't want to cut that. Keep it going. Michelle's (laughs) talking about our emotional trauma and we get a ding Uh, on your calendar. Actually, that was my mom. I'm not even joking. That was totally your fucking mom. I have I have heard from like various like spiritual people that like they will come through in any way they can, right? Like sometimes it's rainbows. A ding. Wasn't there rainbows? Rainbow? Oh my god, so many rainbows. Like which seems generic. If you're in Hawaii, it doesn't count. But if you're somewhere random and it's like Rainbow City, then it's a sign. Anyway, my mom always had this thing where she would call me at three o'clock, which was about the time I was born, which is important to know if you're into astrology. Of course. I was kind of happy that she knew that. It's just the firsts are really hard. Like the first anything without your person, without your parent. It's a big deal. It's actually a much more destabilizing thing than I ever thought. Well, first off, we don't usually drink while doing this, but we are today. <laughs> so first off, can we cheers mom? Yes, absolutely. She Her drink was actually, she did like red wine, but her drink was a perfect Manhattan up with a twist of lemon. She was no joke. She was she sounded like if, she had the level of standards that I had. One, it'll put hair in your chest. <laughs> <laughs> she sounds like my type of woman. So first off, cheers yes, to mom. Cheers, Claudette. Claudette. And second, this is a, a cane is a weird onion fact, but you know, I was a candy striper all of my childhood and I volunteered at hospice. <laughs> cane is an onion is like the understatement. I Layers and layers and layers I learn about you. So you worked in hospice. I worked in hospice. My from, mom was in hospice from before she passed. From eight to 18. I volunteered in hospice. I did over 6,000 hours of service. Wow. Um, And I sat with over 400 people while they died in that period. And my mom put me as a volunteer in that program because basically I was the kid that never shut the fuck up. And so they liked kids who would come in and just talk to anyone because a lot of people in hospice are on their own. That is so amazing. And I'm like, I'm like trying to stop myself from crying. But the one thing that I realized in that is how hard it is to imagine a life without your parents. Yeah. And it's because we've never had that. Well, at least most of us, right? People say things like it's the natural order of things, but it's like, actually, it's like 
the rug being pulled out from under you. Like, yes. it's so crazy because my mom wasn't well the last few years of her life. So I thought I was prepared for it, but there is literally nothing that you can do to prepare for something like that. But hearing that you were in hospice and that you were like chatty and talking to people actually just warms my heart because my mom was in hospice. My sister was with her. I was actually 10,000 miles away in Australia when she passed. But I have so much respect for hospice workers. In fact, I'm actually completely obsessed with a hospice nurse on TikTok. Her name is Hospice Nurse Julie. She's on TikTok and IG, and she's so incredibly fascinating to listen to because she talks about these kind of universal end-of-life experiences. Mm -hmm. And some of them are really magical and beautiful and really interesting and fascinating. And she doesn't make it sad she kind of brings levity to death she has tons of followers it's so fascinating to hear and, and because I wasn't present I don't even know what that scene looked like my sister was there you obviously spent 6,000 hours mm -hmm. doing that I mean honestly it's like an, an honor to be there when somebody dies and, and I think I actually love that she brings levity to that situation because I think that because death is so final and is so scary for a lot of us and like it has this thing of like I've seen more people die than I would say most right yeah. and I saw them all die at such a young age and so I had a naivete around it right yep. where it like never felt personal to me because the idea of dying at 12 or 10 or yeah, you weren't facing your mortality so by you being in those rooms you brought an energy and a levity that didn't exist from the family members or the person there so it's like that was actually really valuable energetically to have that youthful spirit in the room 100 and you know i think mom's spirit's here today she tried I oh I, I the thing is the craziest thing is i've been an atheist for as long as I can remember. I was like raised Catholic loosely Saints. and then became an atheist. Now I don't even know what to call myself because I have to say, since she passed, I feel her presence. I definitely do. So now I'm on like the deep dive of does consciousness live beyond the human body? All of these really deep, complicated kind of metaphysical questions I'm now confronting. And I think part of it is wanting to understand, wanting to believe, but also it's just actually my experience like what I'm feeling what you actually feel yeah and you know this shows all about feelings oh my god are we about feelings we are all about feelings and today is an episode that's about one of the most complicated feelings of all time we're talking about love we're talking about love and a little bit of lust I think a lot of lust <laughs> and maybe a little bit of loss yep and how those three things converge yeah so before we jump in today's episode we're going to take a little break but we'll be right back. Welcome back. Today's episode is I fell in love with my boss. It happens. Today's episode is, is about love, but it's also about the complications that come along with love in the workplace with someone who isn't available. As in married. As in, I would say married as in like like not available because in a committed relationship, but also from just my early conversations with our guests, not available in general. So let's welcome our guest. Hi, Michael. Hi, guys. How are you? Good. Hi. What I'm a great podcasting voice you have. Oh, thanks. Yeah, well, here we are. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> well, here we are. Michael, first off, thanks for being a guest. Absolutely. We found you through our favorite way, which is online. You were one of our submissions who came to us, which is always a, a special way to grab guests and a reason why we started this, right? And, and Michelle and I realized that we wanted to create a platform for people to be able to really talk about and humanize and find community in the messy parts of life. And talking to you, you don't you seem like a very professional, put-together guy. Is falling in love with your bosses something you do on the regular? <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, this is a one-time thing, hoping to be a one-time thing for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's run through the story, and, and we'll go. So this boss of yours, just so everyone knows, this boss of yours was a guy. Correct, yeah. Right? Um, we're going to... I am also a guy. You are, you are also a guy. <laughs> um, by the way, guys, a very handsome guy, so if anyone can track Michael down... Um, <laughs> Um, I think he's single. You're single? I yeah. am single as of today. Oh, okay. As of today. As of today. <laughs> I went on a date last night, so who knows? Oh. So, so, so time is long. of the essence. Um, find me fast. Find me fast. Um, so you and this person started working together. But what's really interesting here is, is you started working together, but you actually had a really random, and this is important because we believe a lot in energy in this crew. Like we believe a lot in connection. You and this guy actually met before you worked together once. Can you explain that meeting? Because it gives context to the whole story we're about to hear. Yeah, absolutely. So it was super random. Actually, the boss that we were both going to work for eventually, but didn't at the time, had invited us somewhere and asked me to pick this guy up. And so I did. I went over, picked him up. He got in the car and I was like, oh, crap, this guy's you know, good looking so guy. So you felt a spark immediately. immediately. Yeah. And, and this guy's name is Nate. Yes, absolutely. Yep. So he gets in the car and I knew that he was <laughs> married and whatever. And I had heard kind of a 10 second bio and I drive to where we're going, pull in and we're waiting for the gate to open. And while we're waiting for the gate to open, there's this moment where we look at each other and we're about to kiss. Immediately? For sure about to kiss. Like immediately? Yeah. Immediately. Like, like five it was seconds so into the ride? crazy. Yeah. Maybe Holy known each other shit. for 98 seconds. Like the place was right down the road. You could have walked. That's some major It chemistry. was so crazy. Uh. It was so crazy. <laughs> Like, we're both, like, wistful. Like, I know. We kind of had this moment and looked and then pulled away. And the gate, you know, the gate started opening. You know, the moment in a movie where, yes. like, somebody interrupts. It is a and movie moment. And so months go by between this moment and working together. I think 24 months, two years, probably, wow. go by. And you don't see, then. do you ever see each other in between these moments? Not really. I think one time in passing, I had a boyfriend at the time, and he hated this guy's guts. Like, immediately knew, again, my, my boyfriend at the time was very perceptive, immediately knew there was when, a connection. when he and I saw, when he saw me see Nate, he was like, oh, this guy. Ah. <laughs> and hated his guts from day one. So I guess he picked up on it too. And then, yeah, it was like, I think at least two years before we started wow. working together. And this guy also, didn't he make a comment to like a mutual friend that you guys he had? He did make a comment to a mutual friend. And he said, I didn't find out about this until later, but he said, keep that guy away from me because that is not going to go anywhere good between he and I. Wow, yeah. that's some serious chemistry. It was serious chemistry. That's so serious crazy. chemistry. Now, but what's interesting though is twenty four months go by, you have your life, he has his life. You coincidentally start working together. And when you start working together, like there's not
not that immediate like boom something has sort of maybe like shifted or you're both being professional like you start working together he's technically your boss but it's a very like productive comfortable working relationship yeah absolutely I was dating somebody else at the time not the one who hated him a different guy and um, we just started working together everything was 100% fine the working relationship was actually fantastic and things were really fine for nine months are you in those nine months is it totally fine where you're like we're professional i'm happy or is it totally fine where you're like all right i am being respectful and i'm a professional like is it in your mind like are you like are you constantly dodging it that's the weird thing is that i really was totally comfortable there was no issue i wasn't thinking sure i thought oh this guy's cute da 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 no real interest at all i was very happy in the relationship i was in i seemed like he was happy and i'm telling you nine months in there was a day I walked into the office and I remember thinking, is this guy wearing new clone? Long story short, he wasn't wearing new clone. He has never worn clone. It's and like pheromonal? Literally it completely pheromonal. <laughs> so so never nine months clone go by, a day in his life. <laughs> one day he walks in. It was crazy. I was like, what is this guy wearing? That smells so freaking good. And after that, it was the real okay. Problem. So, <laughs> so, and so, is it like that happens? You're like, I'm not sure what's happening. He has no clone. He's not wearing no clone. What starts happening? Do do you immediately make a move or like? Yeah. So we actually went on a work trip. Uh, that was timed with that. How convenient. Yeah. That was that was soon after, like maybe two weeks after or something, and it got a little bit more intense. And then has there was, he started giving you signals? Has there's he started nothing. Something? No, there's still nothing. We're not mentioning anything to each other. Nothing has been said and there was a fateful work trip and we went to dinner and drank together for the first time and then on the way home suddenly like had this like really intense moment and we got into the elevator at the hotel and kind of just looked at each other and we're both like really sad like almost cried because it was a moment we looked each other and realized like this can't happen oh my but God. there was I such so strong feelings there you said oh, it i just Christ. felt yeah. it and well, we just hugged each other in the elevator and but like there's been no talk or has there has there not been, been any talk not a word fucking crazy there's been not a word there's been not a word and you know what actually guys usually we tell the whole story and then we bring in our cleanup crew i need to bring manjeet who's, who's <laughs> yeah. our mind coach in today early because first off i can see her squirming in the corner she's like <laughs> she's about to explode and and i can't do that to her but also i think this is a topic that is so about energy without doubt and it's so it's something that i think i'd like her to participate in so manjeet let's 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 actually pull you in early well Welcome. Hi, Kane. Hi, Manjeet. Manjeet's a super special guest today. Um, not only is she a part of the Well family, a founding part of our family, has been with us since day zero, but she is personally someone who I've gotten a lot from. So Manjeet, we're going to jump in. Talk to us about how the fuck do two people who have not exchanged a word, they're obviously about feeling their something, feelings. can look at each other in an elevator and just like... This is all about your journey and karmically what you had to go through. This is not a coincidence. This is a test. And this is a way that you get to look at a situation that you cannot avoid. And that to me is presented in the first moment that you met each other. 
there wasn't this premise of work, right? Because when you're in the context of like, okay, I work for someone or with someone, it's awkward, I've got to stay away, I'm falling in love with someone, whatever. No, you met and the energy between you two told you that there was a connection two years prior. So being in that elevator, exactly how you guys reacted, I was sitting here, like the sadness of, and I've been in that situation recently where it's like the person's married, nothing's going to happen. And it's sad because we're so attracted to each other. So I felt it and I felt it recently. And that's why I was dying inside. But in a situation like this, there's always something to learn from it. And I believe that spiritually, when something is this hot, this energetic, that you cannot stay away from it. Personally, I believe it's karma, a relationship from another lifetime that needs to end or you need to have some kind of resolution. And there's many different parts of it, right? So we need to think of it as a wheel. And one of the spokes is you being able to look at why are you perhaps attracting someone that is unavailable? What parts of you do you need to look at that has attracted this energy in? What parts of this person in his relationship is he unhappy in that's making him attracted to you? Because for him, if you jump into his body for a minute, is he really that happy in his relationship that something is pulling him away? And we got lots more to learn from this story. But yes. before we do, we're going to yeah. take a quick break and we'll be right back. Welcome back. We're in a room of heartbroken people here today. Um, 100%. Uh, Michael, we want to dive back into this story. So you're in an elevator. You hug. You get off that elevator. And it gets a little bit more X-rated. <laughs> I wouldn't say X-rated, but yeah, we walk down to the hallway. We, we have separate rooms on this work trip. But we stop in front of Nate's door and keep looking at each other super intensely. I think we both knew when we started drinking, like maybe this would be something that that it brought forward. Um, I think I remember you telling me in our pre-interview that you chose to drink out of a hope that it would lower some inhibitions for yourself. Yes, that's right. Yeah, 100%. Which, by the way, I've done many a time. It lifts the veil, for sure. Uh, Yeah, and I'm not a big drinker, and so I was like, I'm just going to, like, fucking do it and go and drink and see what happens yeah and so we get there to the door and it's this moment where he goes to put his key card the door sort of half opens and then he turns around the door shuts and i push him up against the door and we start making out and it was really intense and then again it it was a push and a pull like get away from me and then come back get away from me and then come back so hot It was so intense. So wrong, so hot. So wrong, yeah. Again, this guy's in a relationship and my boss at work, there was really nothing that should be happening. And so this push and pull was so intense and hard. And then eventually he just opens his door and slips into his room and shuts the door behind him. Wow. By the way, the self-control. That is is really impressive. It's actually impressive. Yeah. So let's fast forward a little bit because we have this work trip. This work trip ends. And this isn't just a physical thing. No, not and at all. And this very quickly starts to evolve into a very intense, if not more than physical, because you guys actually keep it PG-13 yeah, totally. all the time. There's there's yeah. making out, there's some heavy petting, but it becomes highly, highly emotionally attached. Absolutely, yeah. What does that look like in the workday? Like, are you rolling into the office and like, how and what are you doing? Yeah, so fast forward the next night, we were still in New York and just had maybe six hours of conversation, just sitting down, laying down across from each other, just looking at each other, talking. 
Wow. And basically explaining that I felt this way for a long time. He had felt this way longer than I had. And I just kind of realized these feelings and how intense they were. And so we sat there and talked for six hours. We ended up again going our separate ways. No kissing. Nothing. That is such a unique scenario. I just have to it say. It was crazy. Because this is the thing is most of the time in these situations, you just fuck. Like, right? Uh, right. Am yeah. I the only one like, who just uh, like, by the way, I wanted to. Kane, I wanted to. Kane, <laughs> you're not the only one. I'm like, you I would have just fucked you. be having sex immediately in Michelle this situation. Michelle and I are like on the edge of our seats on this one. I think both because it is such an emotional, heavy one. So, it's so charged. So you guys know, while we're doing this episode, Manjeet has actually transitioned to reading Michael's palms, which we're going to get to in a bit. But back to the story, Michael, trip ends. What the fuck does Monday look like in the office? Not super great. <laughs> Doesn't not look great. Not super great or like the most amazing romantic experience no, of your life? No, it was not amazing and romantic. It was so intense and he didn't say anything about it and I didn't say anything about it. We kind of pretended it didn't happen for a while and then we go to lunch together like we did almost every day. But today we didn't just go to lunch together. He had to get a haircut. So then I decide we're going to go to lunch and then I'll take you to your haircut and then I'll wait for you and get coffee. We, again, didn't talk about it the entire time. We finally get back in the car and the stupid new Adele album had come out, which was like killing me <laughs> all over again. <laughs> and so I get in the car and we're headed back to the office and we pull into the parking lot and I look over and I just started crying. He grabbed my hand and we sat there for a minute and he just said, I'm so sorry. There's so much emo. It's so emotionally charged. I'm so struck by it because there's so little sex. There's been no sex. No sex. And that's, I think, very unique in the sense that, like, the depth of emotion that you're feeling when there hasn't been anything, but it's actually really beautiful. Before Michael and Nate actually, like, the fireworks hit off. <laughs> Exploded, yeah. Is Nate has made lots of comments of how unhappy he actually is in his marriage. Mm -hmm. Correct. And these are not like overt comments of like, hey, Michael, like swoop in. These are like little crumbs of like, I'm not really happy in my current setup. Yes. So little, little comments again, not I'm miserable. I want to leave. Nothing like that. But he would always sort of want to go out and do fun things. And his partner would not. And I was always the one going out and doing fun things. And, oh, I wish I could go to that with you. I wish I could do that with you and your friends. But, you know, I'm not. I'm going to stay back home because my husband doesn't want to do those things. And so it was always that like longing for for more and and to do more things and I think in a lot of ways I was I was 12 years younger than him as well. I think I represented the freedom that he didn't have. Totally. Which I think was a huge part of the attraction for him. And then he also represented the stability that I didn't have. And so a second work trip comes up. A second work trip comes up. And yeah. not that comes up. A second work trip is planned by these two. Yeah. And so that's that's really the thing. At this point, we're looking for reasons to go on a work trip. Of course. <laughs> I'm looking at reasons to join you on a work trip. Are you kidding me? I'm like, are you kidding? I'm up. I'm available. I have air miles. I want some of this energy yeah. is so highly charged. And and what happens on that trip? So that trip is a similar situation, but starts off a little bit more intense right away. Like we kind of know what's happening and we get into one of the hotel. I walk into his hotel room and we just lay down on the bed together, but we don't embrace. We don't do anything. We just lay down on the bed and sort of put the pillows underneath of our head and lay. Again, the restraint. Are you not having sex? I want you so bad. It's unbelievable. 
unbelievable. But, but was it like you're like, no, I can't do this. He's married. Or like if he had given you like an inch, you would have taken a mile. Uh, I would have taken 10 miles. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, running so, but kudos to this guy for being like, I'm married. I can't. Yeah, he really was actually super strong about it. And I, of course, annoyingly, that made me like him more. Right. Because of all of this, like strong morality and all of that stuff. Obviously, there was total emotional cheating happening. And, and let me tell my husband who maybe is listening to this. <laughs> you want to fuck someone? Fine. You emotionally cheat on me. I'm going to murder you. Done. <laughs> done. Because I actually think it's I. It's, it's so different for everyone. But so for me, worse. it's like hormones and pheromones and fucking sex is one thing. Emotional, emotional cheating, cheating is, is actually different. worse. So like in my situation, if I was this guy's husband, I'd be like, sure. I mean, you guys can't see him, but Michael's a dreamboat. So like you want to bang him? Totes. Great. Like invite me along. But like <laughs> you're going to emotionally do this. Like it's actually way more painful. So do you talk more about your relationship on this trip? Yeah, we keep talking about it. It gets a lot deeper. He, you know, is like, oh, I'm going to go to counseling. I'm going to figure out my life. You know, like he really never said like, oh, I might leave my husband. or I might not leave my husband. But it was very much, very much breadcrumbs. Like, oh, I think I'm going to go to counseling. I think I'm going to go to something. I think, but it was never marriage counseling. It was never, it was like, I need to figure out myself and what makes me happy. And I'm always a big proponent of that. And I said, no matter what happens, whether it's me or somebody else, whatever it is for you, or you decide to work on your marriage, you have to pursue your own happiness because at this point he really wasn't pursuing his own happiness he was very just chilling really and not pushing forward which is really sad to see especially when you care about somebody so deeply and let me tell you the feeling that I had towards Nate was so unbelievably strong and primal that like all I wanted to do was help him and protect him yeah you wanted him to be okay and I wanted him to realize happiness that he that he really wasn't and and Michael I, I hate to have to drag you through the pain but but let transition to the part where it really fucking blows. This isn't all sunshine, roses, no. and deep, intense makeout sessions in hotel elevators. No, it's not. Talk about the day that it all blows the fuck up. This has been going on for maybe five months, four or five months at this point. And this was uh, right after New Year's. And so work is going great. Like, I'm fine working. I'll work until 11 p.m. As long as I'm with this guy, it's totally cool. And so we need to work. It's like January 2nd, I think, something like that. And we go to this cafe, and actually his husband was there. And his husband is somebody that I knew, casually, hated my guts. Because the husband could read the energy. The husband, yeah. yeah. The the energy is palpable. Everyone, whoever, like, walks in is like, what is happening? So (laughs) the husband is there and actually finishes breakfast and then gives me a hug, gives Nate a hug, and is like, hey, I'm going to go. And so he leaves, and we sit there and work. And about 25 minutes pass, and Nate's on his laptop, and I see his face change. Like, someone has died. Like, something really serious has happened. You know that fa- that expression yeah. on somebody when it's not like, oh, I crap, just got, like, something s- happened. You know that I just got sick. That feeling. Yeah. It's just this it's deep expression dropped. of, like, something terrible just happened. I said, oh, my God, what happened? It doesn't say anything. Tell me what happened. Nothing. And he just turns his laptop around. I see screenshots of all of our conversations. Oh my God, my stomach just dropped. From his husband that he's just sent through. Again, this is all happening over a course of 25 seconds, but I look at the screenshots and I realize the screenshots were taken last night. The husband had the balls to have breakfast with his man, know that the man that he's emotionally and physically cheating with is showing up, swallow the shit that he's discovered enough to hug the man that he's about to leave his husband with 
who his husband is in love with, walk out the door, drive home, and then send the messages. Yes. So what does Nate do? So he, he says, I have to go. And he walks outside with his phone, leaves the laptop. I'm sitting there. My heart is pounding out of my chest. Of course. And, you know, I immediately texted my best friend and was, oh, my God, this is insane. And then about 10 minutes later, he comes back in and doesn't say a word to me. I said, what happened? Are you okay? Da, 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 da. Shuts his laptop, puts it in his bag, and walks out. And... That's the last time you two have ever spoken. That's the last time we ever spoke. Oh, my God. Yeah. That was the last interaction we had. I actually, I'd sent him one really nice text message like, hey, I'm so sorry this happened. I'm more than willing to put all this aside and just work. And, you know, I know we still have work to do. We still work together. He just said, if you know anyone who's renting a room, let me know. And Um, by the way, you've worked together for months since then. Yeah, and I've known him for years. But you've been, you're in the office multiple times together. You still are on projects together. Correct. You are responsible for collaborating, but there is zero communication. Zero communication. There won't be a message. There won't be an email. Absolutely nothing between us really until now. There hasn't been really anything at all. And it was insane. I drove immediately over to a friend's house and just sat on his sofa all day. But it's like a light switch, right? It's like that light switch where like something changed in his universe that made him have to like flick the switch but yet you got cut off of this intense energy that you were experiencing and then like you're bereft and you're just alone in this like coldness yeah and there was without any conversation zero conversation zero resolution there was nothing I could say like there wasn't even a I really just wanted like maybe a five minute conversation like I'm so sorry that would be very fair to have yeah after all this time and after everything that we've both been through yeah and not only does he go 100% cold turkey but he starts to do things that make like work difficult right so I now am taken off of conference calls and I noticed that some of the projects that I was working on I no longer am on the emails when there was a response to the email, I would suddenly get it, but then I would see his initial email and I wasn't on it. And these are projects that, you know, I have vested interest in. I'm working on the project. You're held accountable to, to like, held accountable to the project. A hundred percent. It's like, it's just as much my responsibility as it is. Yeah. His. So it's like, he's like systematically getting rid of you yeah. because it's going to make his entire life easier if right. you're just not in the picture. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it was like a full on retreat from the entire situation. And really after that, there was zero interaction, zero more projects together, zero anything. And so work became useless, essentially. Does anyone else in the office know? Not not really. I told one person later and who was very shocked and upset about the entire situation. And then work really falls apart later when I, I've already decided to quit this job long before this happened. He knew that I was going to quit this job and on what day I was going to quit. And then I find out the day after that I was supposed to quit, I actually postponed my quitting by two weeks that he had put in his resignation the day before he thought that I was going to quit. So not only did he cut me off of all the projects, but then now it looks like he resigned before me, even though I'd been planning on resigning for months. And now it looks like I'm the one abandoning the whole team and it was it was really 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 tough so there's the career fallout but what was the like emotional fallout for you it was really hard i was basically emotionless for days like just nothing like absolutely nothing i thought i was gonna cry a lot because i'm a big crier and by the way through this entire thing i would get home and i would sit in my car just with the car off and just cry Mm -hmm. and then after the cutoff no tears whatsoever complete numbness and really starting to like 
be resentful because the longer it went on that there was no outreach like hey i'm so sorry hey is there anything i can do or whatever it is the longer that goes on the more resentfulness grows inside of me this is such a like humdinger yeah we're actually bringing in a second cleanup crew and maybe manjeet you start with what you think his future holds based on <laughs> what, what his hands say what does my palm say well i kind of told him like mouthing it to him right but everything that he just said prior to that it, it kind of matches right in in terms of he feels very deeply in his body so the crying is actually really good for you that's a way to process it and you need to cry because physically the way that your hands are you're very very passionate as a person so once you're in a relationship you're in it and you're in it very very deep and your feelings are very very deep and then even with friends your healing really comes from being around people you can't be alone it's not good for you to be alone is that true that's absolutely yeah. true <laughs> for me i'm the opposite i actually need to heal alone and i'm better off i need my alone time to process things for you when you're physically with someone even your friends hugging you physically putting their arms around you you need that right that's really good for you as well the physical part of you working out really good for you as well according to your yeah. hands so also you're in your heart energy a lot which makes sense you came from this from the heart you weren't coming with it from your groin okay and like i said someone else might come from it and that's something that they need to experience sexually and that's the experience that they need to have and then they need to feel perhaps a different nuance to coming in and experiencing the aftermath which is you know oh the guilt oh i need to know not to do this again uh, i feel shame i feel you know but i feel that at the end of this you have a lot more integrity and honor because you feel that perhaps you didn't do anything wrong you are actually holding back as much as possible even though of course the the, the situation is so strong. I mean, like I said, it was so palpable. But for you, an important part of your healing is to be around people, to cry when you need to cry. And actually even journaling for you is really good because you're able to express it, but talk, talking to your friends. Um, Does he have another soulmate on the horizon? Absolutely. And that... that <laughs> How old are you, if you don't want me asking? Uh, 29. So, yeah, that wasn't a soulmate. That was a test, even though it was really, really deep. The person that you're going to end up with is, like, incredible, but there's a proper relationship that's committed that you're in, and that's going to come. It's about, you know, really being in the moment and being, okay, how am I processing this properly? Am I really looking at what parts of me are unavailable because I attracted someone unavailable in and healing that and seeing Seeing, okay, is there a part of me that I love and I feel so deeply that I need to work on in a way that's a great trait to have, but also allows me to think, you know, I need to be a little bit more discerning with my energy full stop. This was so strong in the beginning. That's why I feel it's a real karmic relationship. You met before he was put back into your life. That to me says it all. But I felt that you moved through it with so much grace, despite the fact that, you know, you're in a position where you're working with this person and then they're being extremely meddling and mean and going out of their way to take you off projects, right? But it's almost like, you know, you're, you're taking the high road on it. So congratulations and well done. Oh, and thank you for sharing your story and, you know, just looking at your hands, you've got such a beautiful open heart. It's about just expressing that. And that's, for me, where your healing comes from. I love listening to Manjeet read palms, but I also want to ask Valerie Ula, our director of vibrational energy healing, who's sitting here what she thinks you know what it is i think the beauty of michael being 29 29 is 
Saturn return. Saturn is the planet of basically the taskmaster, hard work, discipline. And right around 29, anywhere from like 27 to 32 can be a Saturn return. You know, it's the time it takes for Saturn to make a full orbit. This is when we learn hard-ass lessons. This is when we feel like we're put through the ringer and fucking everything is falling apart. And the beauty of that is the growth on the other side is ginormous. So you're telling me it's not a fucking coincidence that everyone like from 27 to 32, all of a sudden we wake up and it's like, I know who I am. Yeah, it's actually exactly. cosmic. It's that. Yeah. And, and, and it comes with time <laughs> and it comes with age and it comes with the wisdom of just experiencing life. And you have met this challenge with so much grace. And grace is a part of your being. I mean, I literally just walked in. I haven't sat with you for more than half an hour. And I'm like, I feel you very deeply. And it's just so beautiful. I'm so sorry that that was intense and emotional and painful. But like Manjeet said, these are all tests, right? These are all challenges that the universe can only, the universe brings us what we can handle, right? Not what we can't handle. And so here you are on the other side of it. And yeah, it's still going to hurt. There's going to be moments where it's fucking painful and, and you're working through it right you're not working on it you're working through it you're moving through it and you're allowing yourself to be with whatever comes up and processing it and I would think that maybe also with the journaling that Manjeet mentioned writing a letter that you don't have to send to give yourself some closure that way and really like bringing from the inside out right when we write when we put it onto paper it's like literally moving it out from inside and putting it out there into the universe. You never have to send it. He never has to receive it, but he receives it energetically. Right? I'm a big fan of burning that letter. And burning that letter afterwards, sure. And then turn it into fire being transformative, fire element alchemizing, right? Purifying whatever it is, that experience. And in that way, slowly beginning to integrate. So we are at the point in the podcast, Michael, where we bless this mess or bless and this <laughs> test because this is a bless this mess. test exactly we're gonna bless this test because i want to echo what manjeet and val said you have handled the situation with so much grace you have so many good vibes coming off you and i have no doubt good things are coming your way <laughs> So thank you for being on Messy Situations. We're going to bless this mess slash test mess. and let the healing begin. <laughs> uh, that's it for this week. We'd like to thank our cleanup crew, Val and Manjeet, for joining thank us. Thank you. Uh, and our guest, Michael, for being so humble and gracious and amazing and sharing your story, which I believe so many listeners can relate to. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Messy Situations is a production of Lola Media and is produced and engineered by Riley McCaskill with assistant producer Mesh Lakani.